Welcome back everyone to Midweek Rise Up, it's E, and my goodness, a lot of life updates have happened on my end since my last podcast episode, and we'll get to those later, but for right now, I wanted to share with you a very, very special moment where I was blessed to be able to speak to over 2,500 young, incredible women at the Turning Point USA Young Women's Leadership Summit on June 12th in Dallas, Texas. And in this speech, I talk about ways to combat the toxic boss babe culture in your career, relationships, and various seasons of your life. So I hope you guys enjoy it. God bless and go rise up. Good morning. Oh my gosh. I get the confetti. I love Lauren. Where is she? Turning Point USA is phenomenal. I have to say it is such an honor to be able to see my husband and his whole team come together, whether that's Lauren, Tyler, Troy, my husband, Stacy, Emma, everyone. The whole team is phenomenal. So thank you all for being here. All the first timers, thank you for joining us. I feel so blessed to have this opportunity to be on stage. For those of you who have no idea who I am, my name is Erica Kirk, <laughs> formerly Franz Vey. I just hung up that jersey about a month ago, which is pretty exciting. It's been the best month of my life, uh, being married to my best friend. Um, <laughs> but quick SparkNotes version of, of who I am, so you guys know kind of a context of me. I've been in the entertainment industry since I was 13 years old. I've been behind the camera, in front of the camera, from being a model, an actress, host. I've been a casting director for different TV networks. And I've lived all over the world. I played basketball in college. I have my Juris Master in American Legal Studies. I'm currently getting my Doctorate of Education in Christian Leadership. And I also have a, a clothing line, luxury streetwear clothing line called Proclaim Streetwear. Yes, we are unapologetically Christian, and yes, we are made in the USA. I also have a podcast called Midweek Rise Up, and then I have a ministry called Proclaim and Lead Ministry, and we put on Bible in 365. I know some of my girls are actually here. <laughs> So thank you guys so much. But when I was really praying on what to talk about uh, with you guys, there was just this one word that God just kept putting on my heart. And I could have gone the route of talking about being a Christian in the secular world. I could have gone the route of balancing faith and politics and just having relationships. And he just kept putting this one word. And, and I thought to myself, here we are at the Young Women's Leadership Summit. And I really thought to myself, what is the one word that absolutely destroys leadership, authentic leadership? The one word, especially for women today, and the word that completely steals away your focus from building. Whether that's you building a family, building a career, building a ministry, a word that totally steals from the God-sized opportunities that are placed in front of you, especially when you're pursuing your calling. And it makes you confuse activity with productivity. And that word is comparison. And in a history, like the history of everything, I was like, okay, Charlie and I love digging into words and the meaning of them and the history of them. 
And so I'm fascinated with the breakdown of it, and I had to share this with you guys because obviously we know what the word comparison is. It means to make equal to, to compare. And quick history rundown. Who loves history? Great. Okay, good. So quick history rundown. This word was originally spoken of, if you, would, if you could say that, in the mid-14th century. So I don't know if any of you guys know what was going on in the 14th century, but let's do a quick history rundown. The early portion of the 14th century, you had the church power in decline. The, there was so much drama in the Catholic Church. Everyone was deciding who the next pope was going to be. Uh, any Braveheart fans? Yeah? So William Wallace of Scotland, he was captured during that time. You have the beginning of the Hundred Years' War. And then in the middle of the 14th century, does anyone know what happened? No? I heard someone say it. The bubonic plague happened in the mid-14th century when this word came about, which is fascinating to me because you have the Black Plague going through France, Denmark, Norway, Britain, devastating a population that was weakened by nearly two generations of being malnourished. And everyone was blaming someone else. You had people blaming the Catholic Church, you had people blaming the rich, you had people saying that this was the judgment of God, you had witchcraft that was being revitalized, and it was absolute mayhem. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, what happened? The plague came through again. And everyone had a, it wasn't as bad the second wave, but the reason why I say that is because it's fascinating that this one word that completely destroys and throws us off track is also a word that in some ways rhymes with the history and what we're going through today. And it's dangerous to want to be someone or something that you're not. To perform, to impress, to strive to be equal to another broken human. I find it absolutely intriguing, the act of comparing yourself to another person, because truly, how well do you know that person that you're comparing yourself to? Sure, you see their highlight reel on social media. You see their outward appearance. But do you ever see their reality? More oftentimes than not, we don't. And it's almost like the act of comparison. You're creating this, this fake illusion of jealousy that doesn't even exist. And I have watched firsthand this one single word destroy some of the most talented people in their industry. And it doesn't matter what, what age you are, what demographic. I, like I said, I've been in the entertainment industry since I was 13. I've been a business owner since I was 17. And it doesn't matter if you're walking across the stage from Miss USA or if you're in a boardroom. Comparison bleeds into all of it. And to think that the girl sitting next to you is your, comparison, is, is, is your competition. It's so unhealthy. Your DNA sequence was not a mistake at all. And comparison is a double-edged sword. There's no winning. Either it makes you feel absolutely superior because you're putting someone else down, or it makes you totally inferior because you're putting someone else down. And the prideful side of comparison is just as ugly, especially as we scroll through social media and the back and forth can go from envy to pride in a matter of seconds. But as I reflected more on a macro level of the word comparison, I wanted to share with you all today ways to combat comparison in leadership, relationships, and seasons of your life, especially in a boss babe culture. 
And let me tell you something. I know my husband touched on this yesterday. I love saying husband. I love being married. <laughs> the boss babe culture is so unbelievably toxic. Absolutely toxic. And if you're a Christian, it is completely antithetical to the gospel. And if you're not a Christian, it's just as toxic for your lifestyle. As Charlie and I stood on the altar, I didn't realize how toxic that boss babe world was until I, when I got married. And it really put everything into perspective. We're standing on the altar and you're literally creating the most amazing covenant with God. And it's one of those things where we felt like we had a complete baptism, like a total renewal. It was unbelievable. It was so beautiful and it was so pure. And it put into perspective for me. The man and the woman are, are made for one another. They are to be mutual comforts and blessings. Not one is a slave and not one is a tyrant. So many people completely manipulate and take out of context Ephesians 5 where it talks about women and, and wives are to submit to their husbands. And that's a whole other speech for another day. But when I lived in New York City for the past six years, and Charlie was absolutely right about this, the women that were in their late 20s and early 30s were absolutely miserable absolutely miserable and they were so frustrated and you could see them on the subway and they were just they had this look on their face of just irritability and to me I thought it was fascinating because they're like chasing after the next job title the next the next opportunity rather than building something that will last and something that was beautiful and the thing that I think is really funny is that they almost teach you in New York City and larger cities like that when you're in the corporate world, you don't need a man. Why would you need a man? Go after the corporate You don't need a baby. Your work is your baby. Why would you need a baby? You don't need a husband. You could have a work husband. You just leave him at the office at 5 p.m. once you clock out. Why do you need a husband? This is your job. This is what you were supposed to do. This is why you went to college. So you could get this job opportunity. But don't get me wrong, I'm not at all saying that it's bad to be a female entrepreneur. I'm not. I had the honor and blessing of being raised by an incredible mother, single mother, working mother, who still has the glass on her shoulders from all the ceilings that she broke through. Isn't that right, Mama? Yeah. I love you. But what I'm saying is people try to attach the boss babe label to a positive work mode mindset that tricks you into thinking that you're actually building something and you're not. You're actually doing the opposite. You're falling into alignment with the secular world's agenda to distract you from what you should be building as a female. You're getting distracted with the comparison and the competition rather than focusing on the blessings, the opportunities, and the skills that God wants you to seize that he wants you to redeem, develop, and grow. So you have a choice. You can be a boss babe that has the look-alike everything, the same talking points, the same Instagram filters, the same grid outline, or you can be the strong woman that God has created you to be. I'm still crying because my mom. <laughs> I love her. But if no one else tells you this, I wish someone would have told me this when I was in Manhattan and LA, when I was in the 
middle of the rat race. Yes, it's okay to be a business owner. It is, and it's okay to pursue your career. But when the season comes to transition, it's okay to be a mother. It's okay to be happily married. It's okay to have a relationship without insane amounts of drama to tell your friends about it. It's okay to be able to enjoy cooking for your family and enjoy being there for your family. It's okay to change your last name once you're married. <laughs> it's okay to be a woman, a real woman, a Proverbs 31 woman. It's okay. The woman that God needs you to be for your family and for your husband that he is preparing you for, it's okay. Not everyone's meant to be a female entrepreneur. Not everyone is meant to be an influencer. Hear me when I say that. It's okay if you want to take a sabbatical from Instagram and social media. Not, your life is not defined by that. Not everyone is meant to sell oils and shampoo. I'm sorry if you sell oils and shampoo, but not everyone's meant to do that. But you all have your own race to run and your own lane to occupy. So run your race, but please honor your speed and your stride. And I know that many of you who are runners, this might resonate with you. I, I ran track in high school. By no means am I the best runner. Let me tell you, I, the only reason why I was running was to stay in shape for basketball. And if I'm running, it's usually because someone's chasing me, so it's not like voluntary. And so, we had a coach on our track team. He was in his mid-70s. Bless his heart, you would have thought that he was training this high school track team for the Olympics. And he was so intense. He had the most blunt way about explaining things. And so we're getting ready for our regional match and we're all huddling around him for the 200 relay, which I loathed the 200 relay because it was 100 meters too, too long. And so we're standing there and he's like, everyone huddle. So we lean in like intently. He's like, okay, these girls are a lot faster than you. And you guys are like down here, they're up here. Great. Yeah, he was phenomenal. He goes, but he goes, but I'll tell you three things, super raspy voice. I'll tell you three things that you can do in order for you to win this race. So we're all leaning in super intently. He said, do not look to the side of you. Stay in your lane and run the race. Three very simple things. Look, I know that you guys feel pressure. We all do. All of us do. Whether it's the pressure to fit in, the pressure to be the perfect size, the pressure to have the perfect look, the pressure to perform, I get it. I really do. But real life is messy. And every time you sit there focusing on someone else's race and someone else's life, you are stealing all of that time and robbing it from yourself and your own race. And I hope that you really understand that. And what a waste, what an absolute waste if when we get to heaven and realize that all of these years that we have been trusting God, we should have been trusting God for his abundance rather than fearing that he wouldn't provide because he always provides, always. And God's timing is perfect, so please hear me when I say this, because what is meant for you, all of you young women in this room, as you're going through college and you're going through high school, what is meant for you will not pass you by. 
it won't. And the only thing, two things actually, that comparison will ever strengthen in your life are your insecurities and your fears. Because just because someone else, whether they're sitting next to you or at school or any of your family members, just because they're succeeding doesn't mean that you're failing. It does not mean that you're failing. So you have to break out of that mentality. And the comparison mindset is a cycle. And I have found that the quickest way to break that cycle, when you start feeling it come on, is you have to say something, even if it's out loud, it's a trigger word, you have to say something that you're grateful for. You, one thing, you can build on it, but just one thing. And once you do that, you'll be able to shift your heart, you'll be able to shift your mindset, and you can focus on things that actually matter. And you can keep your focus on joy, love, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So instead of following a boss babe culture, I challenge you guys to be an authentic leader. Anyone can start something. I am personally more fascinated and interested in the people that can finish. Those that have a tenacity to push through all of the hard times and actually build something that will outlive themselves. Authentic leadership requires action. I did not create Proclaim Streetwear to be a boss babe. I didn't. I created it as a ministry. I created it as something that could bring good news to the poor and help the brokenhearted through a piece of clothing. That's why I started Proclaim Streetwear. And it's, <laughs> and it's one thing to be serious, but it's also another thing to make sure that you're extremely sincere and authentic in your mission. And a mark of a good leader is someone who has a servant's heart. A leader doesn't hire employees, they hire team members. A leader surrounds themselves with givers, not takers. A leader is courageous while humble, driven while loyal, and fully recognizes that fear is only skin deep. Leaders' goals are smart. They're specific, they're measurable, they're actionable, reachable, and timely. Don't ever expect anyone to understand your drive when God did not give them your vision. And finally, be an authentic leader that keeps commitments especially to yourself, just as how you hold other people accountable. How many times have you guys gone to lunch with someone, you're sitting there at the table, and then you get a text message, maybe 15, 20 minutes in while you're sitting there by yourself, and they're like, hey, I'm so sorry, I have to cancel. It happens to all of us. Now, multiply that by five times of you sitting there, and every time that you show up, that person cancels. That's what you do to yourself when you break the commitments that you've created for yourself. When you set goals and you, you fall off that track, you're doing that to yourself. Which leads me into combating comparison within relationships. First and foremost, the most important relationship in your life is the one that you have with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the first and foremost, most important relationship. The other three important relationships are the ones that you have with your friends, the ones that you have with your family, and of course, your spouse or your dating relationship. And when I asked on Instagram what you guys wanted me to talk about, I cannot tell you how many people have brought up dating. I totally understand why, I get it. And I could talk on this topic for hours, but I'll keep it super simple. If they were meant to stay, they'd stay, period. You should never have to convince someone to love you. Don't elevate chemistry over commitment, and please, please, please get off the apps 
get off the apps. Do not put your faith in an algorithm instead of the God who actually blessed someone else to create that algorithm. Don't ever do that. And I'm not saying that you have to stay home and be a hermit. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all, but also be realistic. Yes, you can have a non-compromise list, but don't have one that's like, that rivals the size of a CVS receipt. You don't need it that long and that cumbersome. But if you're running your race, you're in your stride, God will put someone next to you that's also running alongside you. Someone who's not gonna distract you, take your, up, take your eyes off your finish line. It's gonna be someone who compliments you on the way of as you're doing your race. So for those of you who are currently in a dating relationship, you teach people how to, you teach people how to treat you. Bottom line. When someone hurts you or leaves you or breaks up with you, you got to let go and you got to move on. You cannot let that hurt define your life. You just have to keep going. And God will remove people from your life if you don't. He sees that. So don't chase after paper and glitter. It's not worth it. And don't just date to date. Please hear me when, you, when I say that. Please don't. Date with a purpose. Date with an intention to possibly marry that person. And please, this is another thing that drives me nuts, do not treat your boyfriend like your husband. Do not. There are certain, there are certain orders and processes that are in place to protect your heart on purpose. And something that I also really would challenge you guys to do is that when you find that person, honor them. They are worthy of waiting for. And if, once you find that person, or even if it's just you're dating someone, over-communicate. I have never in one, one time in my life have I ever heard someone say, Erica, I have no idea what you just told me because you over-communicated with me, and I, I'm just, I, I don't understand. I've never had that issue before. Do you think that I had an issue understanding where Charlie stood when he looked at me across Bill's Burgers table and said, I'm not going to hire you, I'm going to date you. That is the perfect example of just clear-cut communication. <laughs> But then touching on friendship, how many of you lost friends in 2020 and 2021 so far? Everyone. I've, it, the cancer, cancel culture, yeah, it is cancer. Cancel culture <laughs> roller coaster is absolutely exhausting. And who knew that you would lose friends over the type of syrup you'd have and then having potato head becoming some triggered non-binary potato. But um, <laughs> choose friends that support you that you don't have to tiptoe around, friends that don't compare their life to yours. If someone gets into the school of their dreams, great, celebrate them. But don't look at them as something that you're jealous of. Don't, don't, don't focus on their path, focus on yours. Your circle doesn't have to be massive, it has to be loyal. So uh, always be with people who point you back to the truth. That is so important. Don't just have friends for the sake of friends and choose them wisely. You have six months left in 2021, six months. So my challenge for you within those six months with your friend groups is that if they start talking about other people and gossiping, remove yourself from those conversations. There, that's not life-giving at all. There's not one good thing that comes out of gossip. It totally betrays confidence, and a trustworthy person will always keep a secret. 
And my grandma was the best at this. She was the family vault. She had every single secret locked up inside of her. And I was fascinated by this. And I could not pry it out of her to save my soul. She went to the grave with all these secrets and I still have no idea how half of what happened to half of them. And so I remember when I was little, I asked her, I said, more, more, how, it's Swedish for grandma. More, more, how do you keep all these secrets? She was so excited. She's like, it's simple. I hear it through this ear and it goes to Istir, and it stops. I was like, that's it? She's like, yep, goes from this year to this year, never hits my mouth, that's it. I was like, that's fascinating. That's so simple. Grandparents are the best, I love my grandparents. But mentors are just important, especially if you wanna be an authentic leader. Mentors are a fa fantastic way to combat comparison, comparison. And the reason why is because they've been there and done that. And they've learned from their mistakes and you can never underestimate the way that God will use someone to speak to you in your life. It could be a total stranger. It could be someone here in this room. And it could be someone that you've met that you, comes back into your life later on. And they're like, I, I want to share some wisdom with you. And another one is, that I think is really important are your parents. Please honor them. Please honor them. Take their advice. The reason why they're trying to offer guidance, even though I know times are different, they still parallel and they love you, and as a parent, you don't want your kids to make the same decisions that you did that were probably a mistake. So they know if you're being held back by fear. I can't tell you how many times my mom would see if I was scared about something, she'd be like, go and do it. Go and do it, even though I was nervous and I was scared. But then there's comparison in seasons. And I think this is fascinating because we all have different seasons of life, and there's comparison within the season of dream building, the season of mourning and the season of celebration, but I wanna focus on the season of waiting. Because it's a season that I think a lot of us really wrestle with uh, in our instant gratification culture. And over the years, I found that the seasons of waiting, I now look forward to them because I understand them. And before when I didn't, I, I, I didn't get it. But in the seasons of waiting, it challenges you to have this perspective of surrender. And I don't mean surrender as giving up. I mean surrender from the standpoint of literally removing the thought process and the illusion of control, that you have control of every single little thing in your life, which is not true. If you have a why, you can endure any how. What do I mean by this? Don't compare your season of waiting with someone else's season of harvest. Don't compare your season of harvest to someone else's season of harvest. The one season that we spend on our knees praying that we'll get over with the quickest is the season of waiting rather than taking advantage of it and working on yourself. My season of life in New York City was a lot different than my season of life when I lived in Puerto Rico, LA, and China. A lot different. I remember buying a one-way ticket, packing one suitcase. My mom was mortified. And she said, where are you going? I said, God needs me in New York City. And so many people were like, gosh, that city's so dark, it's so liberal, it's so dirty, so many atheists running around. And I said, exactly. I don't want to go somewhere where everyone thinks like me. Where, where I want to go somewhere where I am forced to live the convictions that are on my heart, or else I will literally be eaten alive, metaphorically, by the monsters that New York City has created. We are so quick to rush out of this season. 
In our culture today, we like to fluff words and sugarcoat the truth because we don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I didn't need or want my life to look like someone else's. I didn't. I never have. I wanted to look like how God intended it to look like. That's what I wanted. So as you combat comparison in the season of waiting, please do not confuse being still with being stagnant. It's a huge difference in those two words. Build in the season of waiting. If something has been planted in faith, do not dig it up with doubt. And another season of waiting that I know is really hard and difficult, and a lot of you are going through because a lot of you have talked to me about it, is the season of waiting for the one. The one that God meant you to be with. I knew that when I was waiting, it was worth the wait because I knew that I needed a leader who would guide me closer to God when the world pulled me away. I knew that I needed a leader who would protect my heart. I needed a leader who would celebrate my depth and not feel intimidated by it. I needed a leader who would rise to the occasion instead of questioning the incline. I needed a leader who was bold and committed and convicted. And I needed a leader and a type of man who could look at me and see me. And he would say this, us, this is what matters. Everything else is just noise. God knew exactly the person that I was to be with. Not a minute too soon, not a minute too late. He gave me my Charlie at the right time. And when God had finished, and when God had finished preparing our hearts for one another, that's when we cross paths. So please get off the apps. It's my second second point on that. Swim in a stream of significance. This is what I mean by that. When you get off the app, instead of using the app, why don't you do something you haven't really done before? For example, why don't you go serve at a soup kitchen? Why don't you go to church if you have not gone to church before? Why don't you try something different? Go get involved with something. I remember one night I went to poetry night in New York City. My roommates were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to poetry night. What are you going to do there? Listen to poetry. Like... <laughs> I'm just going to go. I'm going to go and do something that is different, occupying my time with activities that were fruitful and rewarding. And as you're doing your thing, prayerfully, and you're running your lane, you'll turn your head and the one will be right next to you, right there. So don't feel like you're running out of time. Comparison steals your focus away from building during a season of waiting. Don't be focused on someone else's lawn I know there's the analogy of looking over the hedge and seeing someone else's lawn and, and looking back at yours and seeing it completely die off until you realize that their lawn this whole time was AstroTurf and you've been so consumed with their lawn this whole time looking all pretty. But you guys have to realize that this is the day that the Lord has made, right? So rejoice and be glad in it, whether you like it or not. Whether you like the season you're in or not, take advantage of it, be glad in it. And finally, when you're waiting in your career and you're waiting for the breakthrough to come, plow through, keep moving. You're not the sum of your intentions. You're the sum of your actions. So keep on going. If you had a couple of losses, keep it moving. You had a couple of wins, keep it moving. Don't get into performance mode. When, when you're having to prove yourself, that's when you get stuck in this, this waiting mode and this rudder of feeling like nothing's working for you because you just continually perform. Your mind is a battleground. The enemy would love nothing more than to tie up your thoughts 
to tie up your mind. And all of you in here, you're all so smart. You all have so much going for you. And I want you to realize and welcome yourself to the spiritual battle because that's what you guys are experiencing right now. The reason why I say that is because Earth is nothing more than any enemy-occupied territory. That's what it is. And as you reclaim the territory, you better believe that there's going to be a spiritual battle. And that it, the more you build, the more battles come. People don't go after people who don't build. Why would they? They're not a threat. So you're given two hands. You're given one hand to build and one hand to battle. So as you build, you're going to keep coming up to battles. You're going to keep coming up to new threats. And you guys just got to keep fighting it off, praying through it, and getting through it. Stand firm and be courageous. Know that fears are born out of fatigue and loneliness. And please, please, please do not be easily offended. I know that when you get the little egg-sized bitmoji thing, whatever it is on Twitter, the troll that's calling you bad names, calling you all these things, I get it. Valid. Valid. But you're accepting those offenses. That's why it's saying, I take offense to that, because you are taking the offense. You don't need to take it. Leave it. Walk back from it and just take with you on your journey things that will actually be life-giving and fueling towards your building season instead of comparison. And the secret sauce to combat comparison in a season of waiting in your career is a combination of faith, wisdom, courage, and perseverance alongside with work. So take this window of time in your waiting season to really just work on yourself, to train, to reflect, write that book that you've always wanted to write, tweak that business plan if you have a business plan that you've been working on, Write that email, send that thank you card. The time is now, especially during the season. So run your race, stop looking to your left or your right. There's a reason why you go from the basement to the presidential suite through the stairs. Because as you climb every stair and as you go through every level, you're gonna learn something new that you need once you get to that top. If you take the elevator straight up, you're gonna have the weight on your shoulders that you did not learn some of the lessons that you needed to learn in order to be the authentic leader that you needed to be. So make sure that you're okay with taking those stairs, one step at a time. You don't have to be rushing through it. And through seasonal trans transitions when you're going through new seasons, go forward with a conquering spirit. Shift your disappointment into joy and change your complaints, complaints into laughter. Be humble and present in all your seasons and find ways to grow because you're constantly evolving. And I find that people who take well to constructive criticism aren't stubborn and they're okay with putting aside their pride because they know that each person that they come across is a missing piece that God needs them to be a part of in their life. So just treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO because in God's eyes, they're both equal. They really are. So don't get distracted by the noise or temptations of everyday life. Make worthy plans, set worthy goals, and do not create your own season of waiting by having God thinking in your mind that God needs to get behind your plans. That's not how it works. Don't create your own season. Have you, yourself, get behind God's plans for your life. He's not a magic genie. 
And there will be some days where you make absolutely terrible decisions and thank the good Lord for his double portion of grace because we all know we need it. But it's how you handle it and you move forward. So live for today, make the most of it, because one day it might be your last and success is a journey, not a destination. And it doesn't look the same for everyone, so don't let comparison diminish the most beautiful thing of life. So in closing, I'll leave you with this story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a story about a man who pursued truth when everyone else compared him to the standards of what they thought a life well-lived looked like. And his name is William Borden. And he's not the heir to the Borden uh, dairy family, if some of you guys are from the Midwest. But it's just the same wealthy family, um, just different industries. He, for his high school graduation present, he was 16 years old, and his parents sent him on a trip around the world. Mind you, this was 1903. So he went around the world. He went through Asia, the Middle East, Europe. And on his trip, he felt this growing burden for the hurting people of the world. And so he loved to write. So he wrote home, and he was like, dear parents, my desire is to be a missionary. They were just short of everything but livid. They were so confused. Why would you throw your life away as a missionary? The whole family was confused by it. So in the back of his Bible, Borden wrote two words, no reserves. So then he went to college a few years later, Yale University, when that school was actually Christ-centered. And he, he was there for convocation, and the president was speaking. And as he was speaking, the students noticed something different about Borden. He was always writing in his journal. And when the president got up there, his topic was on the need of having a fixed purpose. And on the paper that Borden was writing, it said, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. He continued writing saying, the president neglected to say what our purpose should be and where we should get that ability to persevere and the strength to resist temptations. So as he continued on, he went to Yale. From Yale, he went to Princeton Seminary in New Jersey, and he wrote two more words on the back of his Bible, no retreats. And when he decided to go to school, he was still inspired by the trip that he took when he was in high school around the world. It's just stuck with him. And after he graduated, he made the decision. He was going to go and work with the Muslim population in China. So his first stop was in Egypt because he needed to learn Arabic. So when he got there and he told his parents he was leaving, when he got there, within a month, he contracted spinal meningitis. And 25-year-old William Borden passed away. And once that news carried back to the States, and it was cabled back to his family, there was a wave of sorrow, and people still were saying, what a waste. All of that brilliance, all of that wealth, finally getting to where he needed to be, and this happens. But Borden's death was not a waste in God's eyes. It absolutely wasn't. As the story has it, prior to his death, Borden had written two more words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves, no retreats, he had written, no regrets. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. If Borden would have spent the time comparing himself to other people, 
even just a little bit, and conformed his ways to the world that was around him, God wouldn't have been able to use him in the ways that would bring glory to his kingdom. So don't let comparison put out the spirit's fire that's within you. Astonish a mean world with your acts of kindness and proclaim the truth unapologetically. There's only one you. So stand firm in the culture of chaos. Continue to live each day with a grateful heart, knowing that although you might not be in control of every single little thing, you are deeply loved by the one who is. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that these words encouraged and challenged you and postured your heart for the rest of the week ahead. If you have a minute, go to the subscribe and review section of this podcast. Leave us a word or a Bible verse that you've been carrying in your heart throughout the week that keeps you encouraged and motivated. I really want to make this podcast review space almost like that added bookmark for that simple reminder that we're all in this together and that God's got this. Feel free to share this episode with your friends, family, or on social media. Also, for more information on Proclaim and Lead Ministry, our Bible and 365, as well as Proclaim Streetwear, please click the links below. We're so grateful to have you join us right here on Midweek Rise Up.